what do they expect me to do about it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I had a bit of an attitude in the perfect back then. You had um, an attitude, Lee? <laughs> oh, I don't believe it. Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of How to Take the Lead. I'm waving at the lovely Lee because as well as being available to listen to via our podcast, you can also watch us over on the YouTube channel if you so wish. So um, yeah, we've made the effort, put a bit of lippy on <laughs> now that we've got people who might well be watching us. So before I get into um, what we're going to talk about this episode, I will carry on with the, all of the housekeeping bits so as I've said we are on the podcast um we are on YouTube you can uh join us in our Substack community where we are uh engaging with a number of other like-minded leaders who like us want to challenge the status quo of leadership and see leadership done differently so there's lots of bonus uh content over in our Substack community and chats that you can get involved in, which is very exciting. Um, and we are also on the socials, so you can catch us on Instagram and Twitter. And you can get the links for all of those things on our website, which is www.howtotakethelead.com. Uh, Lee, is that everything that I needed to talk about? Oh, I think that's pretty perfect. Yeah, well done. <laughs> pretty perfect. So, Lee, how are you on this fine day? I'm good. I've been for, um, oh, now, what's the word you taught me? Um, I've been for a bit of a yomp. Is that a yomp? Word? yomp. You've been yomping, have you? Yes. <laughs> yes. This, this is this is a word Carrie-Anne's taught me in 2022. Yeah. Yes. La- last year. Last year word. Never heard it before. I've been for a yomp, so I'm feeling very energised and refreshed. I love it. And do you know what? I'm just so glad that it is actually a word because when I used it in a really <laughs> random train conversation with strangers last year, I began to question whether yomping was a thing, but I am I am assured that it is. So I hope you enjoyed your yomp. Um, I feel like I might go for a yomp after we've recorded this episode because I haven't really had any fresh air today, so... Maybe a purposeful yomp is just what I need. Yes. Um, I kind of want listeners now to tell us if they know the word yomp. Maybe, maybe it, I don't know if it's a class thing or a geographical thing, but it could say a lot if people know it. Like, give us some contextual information about yeah. you. <laughs> yes, yeah, it could be some sort of strange colloquial term that I've just picked up from somewhere. Completely random. So, yes, anything on yomping do get in touch. I've already listed all the ways you can contact us. Um, And I think uh, without further ado, because this could go any random which way this conversation, let's go yomping through the topic that we're here to talk about. Um, Which feels like quite a good description for this this week's episode, because we are going to talk about leaders owning their shit. Excuse my language, bleep, bleep, bleep. And I'm not normally the swearer on this podcast, I have to say. Um, usually you drop a couple of the little swear words, Lee, and I look what you're talking absolutely about. mortified by it. But there wasn't really uh, any other way to describe ha- the conversation that we wanted to have, which was definitely around um, leaders 
owning it when they are making mistakes. So um, to get us into that conversation, I think it's only fair to say that we do all make mistakes because we are only human after all. But I guess from a leadership point of view and a life point of view, it's how we respond to those mistakes, learn from them, and I guess how we're transparent about them and own them, that really makes all the difference and that's what matters. Um, So that's what we wanted to talk about in today's episode. So as a leader, and I think we've discussed this before, so I'm just going to set a bit of context around the discussion. We've obviously talked about um, managing a crisis as a leader in episodes of the podcast and probably on our lives. And of course, when um, there is a crisis, that is a point in time where leaders need to step up and own it. And crisis can often be as a result of a mistake. But I do want to caveat the conversation today with the fact that we're not just talking about managing a crisis when we're having this conversation, because as leaders, we can also make mistakes in all other areas Mm. um, of our working and leadership life. So that might be a, a mistake in the way that we've been handling a relationship. Perhaps we've handled specific stakeholders badly or the building and development of a relationship with a really important person um, in our leadership career. Or maybe it's making the wrong call in terms of a decision that you've made or the way you've decided to focus your um, strategic direction or direction of travel as a leader or organisation. So I just wanted to say, well, it would be easy to always go to complete crisis scenario. Um, There are other areas in our leadership lives where um, mistakes can happen um, and it's kind of how we respond to those that really matter. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I couldn't really resist a very recent example, which is the BBC and Gary Lineker debacle that's happened. And interestingly to me, my take on that is a little bit of like something that might have been an error in judgment in how to handle a certain situation uh, ended up potentially being a huge crisis. So maybe that's an example of when one yeah. one small mistake can lead to something much bigger. Um, but for me, that's been a, a really recent example, I think, of how an organisation and leaders have chosen to deal with something and maybe not not owned it. But yeah, yeah. welcome your views on Linekergate before we get into it, if you have any, Lee. <laughs> it's, it's um, I mean, yeah, handling 101, isn't it really? The it's fine for an organisation to take a stance on something and try to execute their policy, but if they're not consistent in the way that they apply their policy, then that's you get the kind of situation that we saw in this case. So I think that that was an interesting one that where the leadership didn't really look at are our words and behaviours aligned with the things that we're trying to manage here, and if we pick this person up on X are we squeaky clean in that area and the answer was most definitely no so yeah I think it's been an interesting uh yeah probably probably a case study that people are going to use for a few years to come yeah absolutely and it maybe felt like we were due a new case study so we didn't just keep going on about um Boris or anyone else still linked weirdly still weirdly linked to the whole political environment that we find ourselves in so I'm not sure what that says about the state of uh, state of the UK today but there you go so um that was a, a kind of tiny example well not tiny it was big it blew up but that was one example of um of kind of managing mistakes and owning or not owning them um and and the impact that can, 
that can have. So I thought let's get into it a little bit at the start of this conversation around actually as a leader, how you might start to identify when you're getting it wrong. So we've said that it's not always going to be a massive crisis scenario that happens that then gives you all those warning bells and alarms that mistakes being made, we need to start to deal with this. It might be other softer intelligence that is coming your way that you may or may not be um, have your eyes open to I guess so what sort of things should you be looking out for as a leader to help you identify uh, when you're heading into that territory of potentially making a mistake or getting it wrongly I mean I think there are warning signs at all different levels but it's how how loud it rings I suppose so for me it could be as simple as what people are actually telling you what the informal chatter is, often people overlook what, what the kind of quiet words and quiet talk behind your back is that's happening. A side note, that's obviously why you've got to be really listening and asking the right kind of questions and have people in your network who are going to tell you what's really going on and the types of things that you don't want to hear. You can see if maybe the things that you've asked to be executed in some way if those actions aren't acted on. You know, you see this often with executive teams. People might be nodding their head around a table when you've given them some kind of direction or we're going to take this action. You take it as acceptance and then you all step out of the room and you get six, seven different versions of what they think is happening or they just don't take any action because they didn't agree with you in the first place. So that's a, that's a clear sign that you don't have alignment on an issue, for example. We talked before about operational performance, staff morale, staff engagement, customer satisfaction. And stakeholder engagement, stakeholder satisfaction, uh, complaints you're getting or a lack of feedback you might be getting or just general commentary. It might be media. It might, it might be other. So there's so many different facets of the way your business is running that can tell you that there is a, either a lack of alignment or something's just a bit off that you need to look into more detail. Yeah, I, th- I think you're you're absolutely right there. And one of the things I was thinking as you were talking, Liz, that some organisations and some leadership teams can get into that space where there is a lot of data and a lot of evidence actually mm. about what's happening in your organisation, but that sometimes you can be a bit blinkered to that in terms of either only seeing the positives. So an example I might use would be like staff survey results, that it's really easy to be totally suckered in um, as a leader or organisation to where you're getting it right mm-hmm. and ignore the areas where you're getting it wrong. And and I guess sometimes that sometimes that is really obvious because you might have some really stark um, differences in terms of the feedback that you're getting. But I think where it can be a bit tricky for people sometimes to really start to see that as a sign of like things aren't going well here is maybe when things are sort of sustained or it's like very very small very minor differences in how you know questions around how people feel about working for the organization only go up by a a small amount or down by a small amount that you can think everything's okay but it's that need to triangulate it I guess with all of that other feedback and intelligence isn't it that will help you Um, to work out where you might need to put some efforts to avoid getting it wrong or making that mistake. Yeah, and we we spoke in the allyship episode about, um, was that on the podcast or was that online? It was on the podcast. podcast. Oh my God, we've been going for so long, we just can't remember. But it was (laughs) was a podcast episode, Lee. 
But we we discussed there around sometimes you you might discount data because it doesn't look statistically significant and there might be small numbers, but actually, you know, small numbers can have mighty voices. So you have to really scrutinize the data that you do have from every angle. And as you've just said, that triangulation piece is really important. And I know we've also talked about probably in that episode and many others, and I know this is something you mentioned a lot around that echo chamber, like that mm. importance of actually being surrounded by people who will constructively challenge and tell you like it is. Um, because I think that's probably the other kind of element to that is you don't want to be surrounded by the yes people who are always just going to tell you everything through rose-tinted glasses. You do need to make sure you've got that diverse um, kind of thinking experience and voice in your leadership team so that people um, can, can actually start to flag, mm, I'm not sure that is what it's telling us. But um, mm. getting into digressing, that obviously links to needing to feel psychologically safe to do that. Yeah, and, and, and you see quite often in organisations, particularly when you're looking at maybe poor strategic decisions or other decisions that have been made, it it often can fall foul because it's a single-mindedness of that leader that's decided this is the right thing, hasn't done that pre-engagement work, hasn't sense-checked if that's the most important issue that needs to be tackled, might look like it's a bit of a self-interest that they're trying to fulfill, all of those types of things. So the importance of links to the, the discussion we had around communications and engagement, actually, the importance of having early conversations, understanding things to help inform your decision making and your strategic direction can help you, I suppose, fall, not fall foul in the first place. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I guess um, like we sort of start to touch on it a little bit because I guess for me there's something around accountability um, mm. and uh, as a leader, I mean, you talked about getting it wrong decision making and sometimes even as a leader you won't always be the person that makes certain decisions in your organization because hopefully you are creating a culture where people are empowered um, uh, to make decisions and you know take forth and it isn't always just about the person at the top of the organization dictating everything but I'd be interested to know your views around accountability in the context of making mistakes and getting it wrong, because I I have seen examples throughout my career, and and I'm sure we all have actually just generally in terms of, of kind of things that we've seen play out in the media, for example, where some types of leaders can get into a sort of space where something's gone wrong, there's been a mistake, and their approach to dealing with that is going to be to blame someone else. Um, or to try and find the scapegoat who they can kind of put put all of that onto. So rather than owning their own SHIT, they're just <laughs> going to pass it on to someone else and be like, it's not my problem, I didn't make that decision, you know, whatever it is. So I'd just be interested in, in your experiences and your views, I guess, around that kind of scapegoating and blame culture and your thoughts around accountability as a leader when things go wrong. Yeah, I... I, I really get that this can be a challenging area and, and I certainly um you know didn't handle myself admirably in my earlier days in, in my career for, for that exact reason you know I remember feeling put out sometimes I suppose if someone in my team had messed up and I didn't want to be associated with it it felt like I needed to justify that that's 
I wouldn't have done it like that. Um, you, and you hear that debate that people go, well, you know, I can't keep an eye on everyone and do everyone's job for them. So why should I be the one that's that's getting, you know, hauled over the coals if something's happened? What do they expect me to do about it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I had a bit of an attitude <laughs> back then. You um, attitude? <laughs> I don't believe it. But, the, you know, you, I've, I've heard leaders say similar as well. And um, it, it takes a lot of reflection and understanding to recognise that actually I, as a leader, as a manager of people, I bear responsibility for them. And part of my understanding was when the shoe was on the other foot and... Um, I worked under some leaders who were behaving, I suppose, just like I had, um, and I really didn't like it. And I suppose also seeing the difference of working under people who didn't behave like that, who you felt had your back. And so seeing the kind of compare and contrast really helped shape me and, and how I wanted to, to um, recognise the type of leader I wanted to be. And I remember one situation where one of my bosses many years ago made the headlines um, in the local paper after a very challenging issue had had arose um, and I got blamed for the poor media coverage for them not for the organization for them um, and there was no recognition no, no recognition from this person that a, the organisational issue that was being reported was true. You know, it was absolutely big news that, that the paper should have been reporting on. Um, but B, that as the leader, they needed to take responsibility. But and in fact, they wanted to be so far removed from the story. And I think behaving the way that they did at the time, I mean, they, they like bawled me out in an open plan office, practically throwing the paper at me to make this point about how I'd made them a lamb to the slaughter. Um, it created such a, a, a bigger issue, really, because it looked defensive externally. They didn't want to own it. Internally, it showed them as being, you know, having no integrity, um, which made the culture of the organisation even more challenging and ultimately became clear that they weren't the right person to see us through that challenge. So, yeah, it was, it was you know, that's just one example of where I've, witness what happens when you don't own your shit as a, yeah. as a leader and how it can feel being on the other side of that um I think as a leader you need to recognize when something goes wrong on your watch no matter how senior or how removed you are from the situation you do ultimately have an accountability you know it could be because of the direct decisions you've made or the strategies you've set as we've talked about it could be because you've been unclear in your communications and the expectations that you have of, of delivery could be because you didn't have the right processes in place to oversee and support the execution of something uh, it could be because you haven't put the right training in place or you haven't checked in with people to see if they know what they're doing and um, you know it boils down at the end of the day as a leader that you've either not set the right conditions um, at the very beginning, 
or you don't have the right governance and structure throughout the process. And that's your responsibility mm-hmm. as a leader at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, th- and there's something in there for me about, you know, something may have happened in a different part of the organisation that if, you know, you're in a big organisation, you haven't got sight on, you know, sight of immediately as it happens. But there is then something about once it comes to you and it, it has been drawn to your attention, it's on you to take the actions to put that right and mitigate it, not to push it back down and go, oh, well, it was somebody else's fault and I yeah. didn't know about it. And I I have seen that attitude play out a few times through my career and it's very uncomfortable isn't it because it's like there was one thing when you didn't know that there was an issue happening that you couldn't have potentially taken the action to fix it but now you know there's absolutely like no sensible rationale for like almost ignoring it and pretending that you don't know that it's happening it's on you now to put all those things in place whatever they might be the examples you've mentioned um to, to try and find a resolution to that situation and you, but you see some organisations as well, particularly when they've had maybe investigations into things that have happened in an organisation. And what comes up is a, is a story of complete, uh, a complete lack of awareness of what's happening in that organisation. And so that goes back to your governance processes and you don't have the right line of sight. This isn't about being in the weeds and being micromanaging, but it is about What's your accountability processes and how are you managing that for your governance structure? Are you a public sector senior leader who wants to make a great impact in your role? Are you struggling to take people with you? Are you working in the weeds or tackling things that your training hasn't prepared you for? Do you want to stop second guessing your approach and show up in a way that feels true to your personality and values? At Sunday Skies, I specialise in helping leaders like you communicate with impact so that you can improve organisational performance, engagement and reputation. Sign up to my email list at sundisguise.com forward slash email. We're um, maybe moving naturally a bit into this space as we're talking about people being accountable and that as a leader, at, at you know, in that leadership team of your organisation, like that's your role, that is your role, no matter where that situation or that mistake has arisen in your organisation to take some ownership of that. And obviously, you know, a lot of my career has been spent in healthcare, so this um, feels like it's quite pertinent, but it, it does often feel like sorry seems to be the hardest word for some leaders and organizations now I want to say that in the tune of a song but Mm. I'm not going to I'm not going to put people through that pain of me trying to sing it to you but I, I guess some sense of conflict can arise because the leadership styles that we talk about obviously we talk about wanting um leaders to act with integrity but we want them to be compassionate and be empathetic and that's absolutely what what we would advocate for but leaders who are wanting to be compassionate and maybe apologize for something can often feel stymied I guess by advice from in internally in their organization externally usually from some sort of legal input I guess which is you can't say sorry because the moment you apologize you're accepting um you know you're accepting that you're accountable for something and therefore a bit of that where there's blame there's a claim kind of culture Mm -hmm. playing through I guess so I'd just be interested to know your thoughts on kind of whether you've seen that predicament play out and what your advice maybe would be around leaders because in my eyes 
apology number one like you've made a mistake own it apologize for it say what you're going to do to rectify it but I absolutely know there will be leaders who feel like that's a difficult position for them to be in because of the advice they're being given. So I've had many a conversation with legal not just legal external overseers I think we've talked about that in, in another episode as well um, where forces outside of your organization are basically trying to get you to to act and behave in a certain way strip out anything that might sound like an apology or that you're accepting responsibility in some way and um, not just for legal but that reputational fallout although ironically it usually creates a bigger issue because you come across as cold uncaring insensitive out of touch all of those kind of things it's nothing worse than when people put in and you see it in statements when you you sit and read newspapers or articles and they try to say sorry without saying sorry you know I'm sorry you felt like that oh there's nothing worse that's an argument starter in this house yeah and regardless yeah. of whether I'm a leader or not just personally but you, <laughs> but you see that so often in organizational responses to stuff I think um so yeah it's it's a dilemma I've come across a lot and and it can be a hard one to to just broadly advise on because it is so different dependent on the situation mm. but Personally, I think if you show empathy and you talk on a human level, you could take a lot of wind out of the sails of a difficult situation. And um, nine times out of 10, individuals that are affected by whatever the situation is are only challenging you, looking for some kind of resolution and closure. And they want an assurance from you that, that there's going to be change, however big or small. So acknowledging that and explaining what you're going to do next is really important there might be nuances on how you do that um but I do think that that's the, the best way that you can connect and try and not close down an issue as in put a brick wall up and and I don't want to deal with it anymore but a way that you can stop something from snowballing and escalating I suppose I do think though there's also times where sorry might not be the right sentiment um maybe you haven't actually done something wrong and there's just a difference in opinion when someone might feel that you owe them an apology and you don't and we've seen that for example in organizations where maybe someone's made a complaint um about the way they've been treated but then when you dig into it what's happened is they've been really rude they might have been racist they might have might have been abusive verbally in some way and the staff members involved were just sticking up for themselves or adhering to, to organisational policy. Um, so as a leader, you know, quite rightly, you need to stand up and, and back your people. Um, and in those instances, I think if you do apologise, then you are undermining your staff and it can break trust. So that's why I kind of say, yes, there are times when you do need to apologise and you need to bring out that the human side, the empathy side, the understanding side, what, you know, if you were in their shoes, what would you want to hear? Other times is about, well, all, all times you need to understand it from all situations to, to come up with the best response, I suppose. Yeah, and you, you've mentioned the word trust there, which is something that's kind of been in the back of my mind as we've been having this conversation, because we've touched on all the things that a lot of our episodes end up um, coming back to around sort of connection, communication, being human, 
Um, and trust is is also something that we talk about a lot in, in all different aspects of leadership, but it does feel like trust is a big part of this whole mm. um, conversation about, you know, making a mistake. Like, obviously, trust takes a long time to build and it can be broken very, very quickly. Um, and we've mentioned reputation as well in, in the conversation today. So I, I guess for me, it's about if you're if you're a leader and you are in that situation now where a mistake has been made kind of how do you build or keep or rebuild the trust that potentially you might lose so kind of what actions do you need to take around that trust with your key stakeholders when you're you're handling that mistake that's been made <sighs> sorry that's a big question because it's a big topic but it just feels like is. trust is Trust is kind of key to how you might choose to han- a handle it, and b how yeah. everyone else might choose to react to um to that mistake that's been made. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so much, so much in that, and I don't want to rehash our conversation from the first series, um, where we were talking about what happens if you lose trust. Um, so I do recommend that people go back and have a listen to that one. I think for me, it, it's all about your credibility as a leader. So if you don't have trust, you obviously you don't have that credibility and your credibility is absolutely impacted by the decisions that you make, the actions you take, how you respond to situations that are challenging, both with that, that big and the, the little C. So almost picking up on some of the things we spoke about before, that triangulation that assessing a situation from from all parts, actively asking questions of people and listening really actively to understand the context of a situation, what a good outcome of that situation would, would look like. We're not talking about people pleasing here because not everyone is going to agree with how you handle something. And um People can still respect and trust you, though, even if they don't agree, because it's around, is there an alignment in what you say and how you behave? Have you involved people? Have you been clear in your communications and articulated your rationale around either why you did what you did or around what you're going to do to resolve a situation? All of those things in in the handling of something that is a difficult issue, um, or might be an incorrect decision you've taken. All of those things impact your trust. Yeah, and I I like the point you've made about it's not about the people pleasing because it's easy to want to try and rectify your mistake by doing the thing that you think is going to make everybody like you again. <laughs> that mm. might not be the right thing to do. So there is that element about keeping your integrity and kind of staying true to making the right decision, not the decision that means everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, I like Carrie Ann again because she's, She's handled that mistake like this. So it is about doing the right thing, isn't it? And, you know, as you say, people can trust you and respect you, even if they don't necessarily agree, um, you know, with the action that you're taking to rectify a mistake that's been made. But actually seeing that you're taking the action is the bit yeah. that helps with that trust, I think. So yeah. um, thank you. And I love the plug to go and listen to a previous episode. I think we've mentioned a lot of previous episodes in today's. Um, so I reckon I'm going to put all the links in the show notes so people can yes. listen. back. So it feels like we're getting to that point in the conversation. And I think you started some of this already with your advice in response to that last question, Lee. 
Um, but we, you know, we love to end on some top takeaways and support people um, with some how tos. So um, I'm going to pose the question to you in the first instance around what sort of steps should leaders be taking now um, in respect of owning their shit? So if you're a leader who is uncomfortable in that space of owning your mm-hmm. shit, are there some how-tos and some practical steps people could be taking to get more comfortable in that space, Lee? I think to build on what I was just saying, so absolutely don't have a need. There's a balance, isn't there? You need to move quickly but not have a knee-jerk reaction. So that's the first thing I would I would say. There is the thing around situational awareness and analysis and understanding um, having that discussion with perhaps the people affected and your trusted network and then there'll be a period of saying you know this is what's happened or this is why we've made this this this, this decision easy for me to say <laughs> this is what we're going to do about it and and it's going to look very different in different situations so what listening could look like could be a one-to-one meeting with someone it could be mediation or it could be a widespread listening exercise over a period of days and weeks with a, with a whole group of people. Action could be starting something or stopping something or deferring something. Could be bringing an external person in or people in to support or to demonstrate maybe some independence in the review that you want to undertake. It might mean changing personnel including yourself and and you might have to take ultimate responsibility and step down because to continue in your role could be untenable so you know dependent on the situation dependent on what the potential reaction to that situation is your response to it could look very different but but there are options always for you to discuss and I think how you handle or how you choose to handle it, I should say, because as I say, there are choices, will say a lot about you. It will say a lot about your character, your integrity, the trust people have in you, as we've already mentioned, and ultimately your reputation as a leader, dare I say, as a human. You dare say it. I love that you've dared <laughs> to say it because it's true. Um, I don't really know that I've got much that I could add in that space, to be honest, Lee. I guess for me, there's something around um I don't know why it ended up being three A's so there was something around assess so do that triangulation you know it might be stuff that you can be doing ongoing so don't just take everything at face value because you might be trying to avoid getting it wrong rather than being straight in the getting it wrong space so do that assessment of the evidence triangulate like you've said talk to the people around you to to really understand what's happening I definitely think there's something around acknowledgement um, and it's yeah. about that trust piece, isn't it? And acting with integrity. So acknowledge that a mistake has been made and own it. That's part of what this episode <laughs> was about. Own it and say, yeah, you know, I acknowledge I've made a mistake or the organization's made a mistake and I lead that organization. So this sits with me um, to take action. And that would be my third A is the action because I yeah. think actually you can own your shit and you can acknowledge that you've made a mistake and you've got it wrong. But if you don't take action to try to rectify that situation or avoid it happening again, I don't really think that you've made much progress in terms of the owning it because it's 
in some respects, it can be easier to hold your hands up, but harder to take the action to make things better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, they're, they're mine, the three A's, assess, Love acknowledge that. and yeah. Although I would I would just caveat the end that you know, we've we've talked a lot about owning your shit when you make a mistake. Owning your shit can also be standing by a decision that you've made as well and and not retreating at the first bit of dissent that you get. <laughs> Absolutely. And that can possibly can, can sometimes be the hardest position to be in, can't it? Because yeah. you've had to take that really difficult decision because you are the leader and then you have to stand by it no matter what's c- kind of coming at you. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good, a good additional point to make because it isn't always about reversing a decision you've made. You might not have always got it wrong, um, but it is about standing by and owning the decisions that you've made whichever way they land with your stakeholders so that's a good one I actually thought you were going to say obviously the episode's been about the bad stuff mistakes getting it wrong but I thought you were also going to say it's really important to own the good stuff when you're getting it right as well no (laughs) well what I was going to say is that that the myth of um that there is in leadership around we need to get everything right is is something that I almost we want to end with people thinking no it's okay to break that myth because we're not striving for perfect we're not trying as leaders to show others that we're perfect we need to fail at things because that learning growth all of that stuff (laughs) (laughs) if you if you're not watching it on YouTube and you're only listening on the podcast that was some brilliant bunny ears going all over the place there we are obviously we do think learning and growth is really important i love the way it's been dismissed really offhand <laughs> there and we need to make it okay because at the end of the day how we handle stuff as a leader reflects on our teams and how they might you know as i said at the very very beginning of this episode i learned a lot from the good and the bad in terms of people that i looked up to and reported into how they handled things so we're also setting a precedent for our team members and we need to make it okay to show that you can mess up and talk about psychological safety. You need to build that environment where people mess up and they can see that as a, as a not something they need to be fearful of. Um, and that absolutely starts by us owning our shit. Absolutely. On that note, mic drop. <laughs> I don't think I've ever sworn so much in, a, in one episode of the podcast. So that's probably my quota. Um, for this entire series um, but it's been kind of freeing saying yeah. that it's been kind of freeing just saying it like it is so um, to go and wash your mouth out yes yeah, thank, thank you so much for um, putting up with my potty mouth in this episode I hope listeners have found that useful if you have please do go and share with anyone else you think might benefit from uh, listening in on that conversation and of course you can leave us a rating or a review we've been very grateful if you could do that and we look forward to the next episode thanks for listening to today's episode don't forget to hit follow and share the show with someone you know oh that rhymes a rating or review will be much appreciated if you're looking for some leadership inspiration why not get a free copy of our recommended reading list visit howtotakethelead.com to download until next week get out there and take the lead